we need to be able to say that something is different to say we can't do it the way that we've always done. Yeah. What would it look like if we were to come from a place of transformation where we allowed to release ourselves from that to start anew? What would happen if we actually allowed ourselves to do that? And that and that means too, right? Like having to really allow ourselves to grieve. And we've just like not done that. I remember after after Biden was elected, I can't remember if it was before his inauguration or whatnot. He had held a vigil for victims of COVID. I remember it being like, this is the first time in the last year where we've allowed ourselves to grieve. And I I, I remember crying uh, watching that because we cannot actually do things unless we allow ourselves to grieve and mourn. I say, yeah, actually, we do need to start over. This is Uncommon Good, the podcast where we chat to ordinary people doing uncommon good in service of our common humanity. My name is Polly Reese. Fam, I am absolutely delighted to bring you today Mike Libunau Macalintal. Mike is the Director of Communications and the Liturgical Minister at Marquand Chapel, the ecumenical ritual space at Yale Divinity School. Holding the position through the COVID lockdowns, he mentors students learning about the role of ritual in religious and spiritual life in today's world. He assumed this position only a few short years after he graduated from Yale. Here's your content warning for this episode. We talk a lot about COVID and the lockdowns. We talk about collective trauma. We talk about anti-Asian racism. And we talk about Trump. So, viewer and listener discretion advised. We go on to talk about transitioning from a student role to a staff role at the same institution how he builds spiritual community during the pandemic, how he helped transition spiritual community and learning toward a post-lockdown environment, the absolutely critical role of grieving in processing trauma, how to make ritual experiences accessible to everyone, and most importantly, what makes a good burger in new haven connecticut you just go to rudy's and ask them please enjoy my delightful catch-up with mike libunau macalintal so we're in new haven right yes but how good of a hamburger is rudy i i you know and i will just reiterate for the good people here is that i have not had a good burger in so long yeah and that was Perfect. Anyway, and sometimes you know it's like it's also just it's it's the patty which makes a difference as it could be. Yeah. Are the toppings selected cook well? I yeah. normally don't go for pickles on my burger, but that was delightful. Yeah, and then the sauce was great. I so yeah, I've never had a burger from Regis until today, and I've been living here literally for like I think I grabbed like a beer with some friends at the end of my first year. Sure, but never had. I feel greatly blessed and it is a nice change of pace for my normal take that is it what what is your title now because you keep getting adjectives added to it yes 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 so it is te- the full title is yep, the please. liturgical minister and the chapel communications manager of Marquand chapel at Hale Divinity School <laughs> so that is like all that is we can unpack that at some point, but that's really like the official title. Yeah. So my question is, which patristics exam did you put off and are you apparently thankfully none? <laughs> and I'm grateful that I don't have any of that on my plate anymore. Yeah. Yeah. As as someone who also did not do well in patristics, I'm sorry, Christopher <laughs> Bailey. Oh, God. I am yeah. also very thankful. <laughs> but I'm sure you're doing fine down at Duke University or wherever you are. He's a Texas now. Are, are you are you an existential really? I hope that you will. Uh, but um, one of the um, yeah, it's 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 I I I imagine it's it's nice to not have the pressures of being a student, 
Yeah. But I imagine there are probably other pre- pressures that replace that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because so I graduated in 2020 from YDS at the very beginnings of the pandemic. And I came back here after working in DC in fall 2021 and a couple of things, right? So my first day here, I walk into the chapel and it's, it feels like you're walking into a time machine and there's stuff that still remained there from when I was a student. So for me, I think a lot of the pressures were feeling, having to redefine myself as no longer a student in this space, as somebody who occupied like an important role and one that is very outward facing, you know? And so all of the kind of like formational pieces of being here as a student are now for better or worse here to play, right? And so, and so you have to kind of, now you have to sort of model that for students and you have to model that for students who have like some inkling of what it was like to be here, students who are coming into this very green and having very little institutional memory and so having to model one model like what somebody who has been to divinity school looks like but then all these other complicated questions of okay like i'm an ordained lay catholic person who is now helping run an ecumenical chapel that's largely mainline like protestant so how does that get folded into the expectations that either i have for that really i have for myself but also the expectations that folks from various communities made my bond to me it's also somebody of like of color so all yeah. of those things thing right all of all of those things start to collapse into this one body that is present in this space five days a week right and so a lot of it i think is is really having to untangle what expectations do i hold for myself yeah and what are the expectations that the ones that folks have of me or the ones that I'm projecting that folks have yeah. me in this space? The we'll, we'll come back to projections. Sure, 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 sure. But one of the things that we were talking about our way over to, to the to the, the conference room where we're taping, I almost said the studio. I mean, because for, for the next for, for the next 45, 60 minutes, it will be. But we you made the acknowledgement that it's kind of like being the associate rector of a parish on a Sunday, but five times a week. Yes, yes, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think for folks who work in the church or attend any sort of like a religious community that is focused around one day, and there's like an implicit knowledge as both a participant and as a leader that it just is work, right? And you know this from being a student and also a chapel minister. Do it together. So, um, but every day is different, right? And so like, especially yeah. at a place like Mark Von Chapel, where you have to balance ecumenical concerns, uh, social concerns, you have to balance who is in the space, who's not in the space. Um, is our theology sound? And if it's sound, is it correct? <laughs> right? Like, like all of those things I think are on display. You have to be constantly thinking about how that plays out. Yeah. And, and, and is your theology sound for whom? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So who is, who, who is, who resonates with that? And not everybody is going to resonate with that on the given day of the week. And so you are just like, you are constantly juggling every day where every day is a little bit different. Someone may be preaching, someone might be dancing, or there might not be any music at all. Or, you know, folks are off of their seats all the time and are asked to be in different places or use their bodies in new ways or not. And so all of those things I think are at play. And we are also, we are doing this odd thing of creating a laboratory and, and also doing it in a holy way. Yeah. And you know, those two things can rub up against each other more times than none. And that's okay too. You know, I think that is an okay thing to do, but Sunday morning, five days a week is the best way that I can explain it. And when I say that, the response is, oh, and then it's followed by it. Oh, and then it, then it clicks in. I'm like, all right, we're in there. Uh, we know it. We're there. So here's the question. Okay. I know that a lot of things changed. A lot of the what, the rhythms of life here at YDS changed because of COVID. Stretch. <laughs> One of the most important things, at least to me, what I'm doing Sunday is that I am properly caffeinated before, during, and after. Have they, 
as of yet, restored coffee hour after chapel. They have not. They have not restored coffee hour. And it's it's interesting because I think we're into this. I know. Yeah, they have not restored coffee hour. And we've also entered this interesting phase where coffee hour was both a caffeinated moment and a community moment, right? If something happened in chapel or something happened during the day, there was just a valve for folks to be able to release some pressure, release some pressure, right? Or process it together. And the way that the community is now, because of COVID restrictions, because we've also been in isolation, you know, for a year and a half, two years, we have to start over in terms of how we build community together. And so those those things that like maybe we took for granted in you know, my coffee hour don't currently exist in this. Uh, it's in, it's when I talk to students about it as a past as a past relic, folks. There's like a desire for, or at least like a question of what happened to it and what would it look like to bring folks together again, even for twenty minutes. So yeah, yeah. It took that that question touches on a lot of things that I. Well, that's this is right. Like it's yeah. now a socio liturgical wild west because totally. none of the ways that we're used <laughs> to doing things are permissible under COVID guidelines. Yes, yes, and and it's like you know now I feel like we are in this particular part of the pandemic where things have opened up and there's like an eagerness for folks to want to gather together. The thing, the temptation is to kind of return to what we've done before and something i think we have to be wary of is well what are certain things we could actually just let die onto themselves please not not coffee not coffee coffee (laughs) not tea but maybe like you know is is like is putting a pizza in the middle of a conference room and just saying you know like folks assuming that folks will come Working on assumptions of what was before, I think, it's just a, it's it's a hard it's a hard strategy to use. I think though, because we are starting over, right? And in my mind, we're going to be starting over for the next three years, three, four, five years, <laughs> building back up these these kind of rhythms, and we need to think a little bit differently about what goes into making those rhythms sound. Yeah, the piece I that I think that I hear is that. We need to redefine how what what things we do to make those rhythms, but the rhythms are still important. The, yeah, the the component of building community is still important. I remember this was probably the I think this was a, would have been the year before you matriculated because you got here in twenty seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it would have been. I was here um, when President Orange forty five got elected, and that was in was well attended service of chapel of the three years that I was here in. Hey. And it was, hey. See, that's interesting, right? Because like, yeah. uh, I'm gonna try to find a way to find two. It is interesting. I think we are we are at this like weird point now where I don't know if the same thing would have happened this time around. It's unclear to me who would be in the room if, like, let's say, you know, yes, found his way back in. So, if say, for example. A certain celebrity doctor had won the race for congressional senate in the state of Pennsylvania. It's unclear to me, actually, who would be in that space in particular should something monumental like that happen. Because I think also, even in the chapel, we have to be able to establish a direction of what we see the possibilities of church can be, of worship can be, of our faith can be. And so we're at this inflection point of where do we go next? And it's not entirely clear to me, not yet, where where that goes, right? I'm not saying, and I and I say this also just like, I'm a lay Catholic person, right? And at the time of this taping, a new U.S. bishop selected who is really horrible on so many different fronts. But, and, and I see it as like part of a larger trend of we're at a fork in the road. So I think we need to be doing some real, real hard interrogating our identity, our identities as they are in institutions and systems of power and belonging. It's a lot of rambling. <laughs> no, but I think I think you found it. And 
it, it raises it it's the the perennial question yeah we let's just keep doing it the way we've always done it our our former boss and, and mentor maggie don had had this chapter of that book um that the title was you have to change in order to stay the same Ooh. so thank you maggie don please be on the podcast yes she should be on the podcast oh you have to change more in order to stay the same yeah what was can you expound on that a little bit i'm curious what the context was yeah so a lot it, it was a, a lot of this sociological stuff was was very important but we know we know maggie the brilliant priest musician mom though she has a keen eye for liturgy and for integrating lots of different concepts yeah in liturgy right it's like seriously holy shit i have never seen a service where they have done hop songs in an anglo-catholic liturgy but they did it and i was like damn oh yeah well it's actually it's so i feel like being in the second year like last year was so much just trying to figure out how to do this in this short year of actually having more time to be a lot more creative about about what we're doing and how that plays out in our services that has been one of the biggest joys of being able to to so if we're running like change so that we have to be able to change so that we can we can stay the same it's it's always it's like it's so much about possibility yeah and I remember we had a very recently had a student who was doing a was giving a senior sermon Lake Catholic and wanted to preach on Song of Solomon lovely Song of Songs and talked about what do we do with suffering in the midst of God's silence yeah and so he had preached this beautiful sermon and it was like very very Catholic just like in the language sure and 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 just the and just the the way that he had formed it. After that, we had the Yale Black Seminarians Gospel Choir saying God is, and, and having, I remember just like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm like, no, actually, this is going to, this will work. Trust me, I, it will make sense. It will, it will make sense and it will hit where folks need to be, Yeah, where folks need to be met in this. And it was, it was beautiful to bear witness to that. Yeah. Too. Right, and to bear witness to folks allowing themselves, and also like allowing myself to be opened up to the possibility of, of what liturgy and what worship can look like. Yeah, I just like that was that was incredible. That was a really beautiful, beautiful moment. And and, and you know, like folks actually are along for the ride too. Yeah, right? like yeah. And and I don't think we should doubt that people will not want to do those things or want to engage the question i would ask and this is what i ask my chaplain ministers is like if we're going to do this what is the lowest and widest on ramp that you're creating for people to explore this if it's too high and if it's too narrow it's not going to do the thing you want it to do so and sometimes that means tempering expectations or changing things up but if you if you make it accessible enough and maintain the integrity or the sounds with it of it really beautiful things happen the thing that strikes me through all of this is that everything of your experience i suspect has been almost i suspect on a daily basis maybe even a smaller level than that has been constantly new like new loosening of coat new 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 years of chapel ministers sure right yeah 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 i wonder in all of that newness, are you starting to notice things that feel familiar and feel feel more or less? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what they used to when you were a student. It. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's funny because I think I had, I think midway through last year, I just remember sitting and sitting, or I was watch, I was like people watching because sometimes that will just like randomly, you know look at the refectory at, yeah. after chapel and see and there is a feels really familiar than it did as a student and it's hard too right because i think one of my hesitations with wanting to with applying for this job and potentially returning was the danger of nostalgia right then coded by what i experienced as a student 
And I think this year too, especially coming into this as a second year, there's tenderness and a willingness, yeah, to be that leaves room for folks. You know, we can ask ten folks in this that question, and everybody will have a particular answer of what to be looks like. But it all sits under that same under that same container. Yeah, and that's really it's been lovely, I think, to see that happen in its own way for this particular community. Yeah, that's not mine. Yeah, that's been awesome. Yeah, what do you think? changed in the the heart space to allow for that tenderness to grow and foster yeah okay the try i i've been thinking on this question all right so this is going to come off half-baked take your time unpack figure i i think there is just like probably over the next for the majority of our lives our lifetimes we will be unpacking the last two and a half three years however we define the end of this particular of this pandemic of this moment right like however we the harsher right the harsher bits of of that and here i don't like i remember early on i don't know if you like see the solace messaging but there was a poem or something going around that like when this is over we're gonna hug a little tighter love a little longer all these things that like of time Right. And understanding like we are going to spend more time doing these things. And, you know, like there are deadlines, right? And there are expectations. Um, but my hope is that and what I've noticed, whether folks are aware of it or not, is that they are taking their time and being intentional about or as intentional as they can be, what and where to use the energy that they have. People in communities that they care about. Um, the flip side of that is that, right, like sometimes that leads to folks siloing themselves off and there are a particular communities. But, right, I think we've all experienced this thing. We all have. Right, and, and not just the students, right? Like we have all experienced these things in, yes, varying degrees and equal degrees, um, but we have all experienced these, these things and, and some of us are continuing to experience these things. And so being at a, being, being at a place being in a place where folks have at least that same alignment or desire, what other option is there than to be tender with one another and to create space for folks to just be? I don't know. You can be in isolation, but I think we all know that nobody is an island. So maybe we're just maybe we're just learning to to do that a little bit more with one another, to take our time, slow down and be free. All all those things I think part of that half-baked not just a delicious ben and jerry's flavor anymore well a way of life yes absolutely it is the i one half-baked is probably a top tier ben and jerry's flavor but two i think we've also given ourselves permission to say that things are half-baked and say that is like that's an okay say i remember <laughs> when we would have what was it like we would have like like teaching sections for like biblical studies or theology, the the most awful thing you could say was not something that was entirely wrong, but you could start a comment and give the preface, I think this is half- Yeah, this is a half-baked thought. And then it's like, the irony of that too is just like, and I'm, I'm outing myself in this because I literally just did that, but it's like, you know, half-baked thoughts are often truthful and they're vulnerable and- you are admitting that like you might not have all of these so you're not you're admitting yeah. that like oh i don't actually know how this is going to land so in this particular space i'm going to take a risk with folks and do so with the hopes that it is affirmed or at least like gently pushed and prodded back against but yeah half-fake thoughts i mean we say they're half-baked right it, it, that's also they are they're in the process. They're becoming. I don't know. I think that's just beautiful. I think it's a lovely way that we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and truthful with folks in ways maybe we're not used to. And also, if you bake a brownie too much, it'll be crusty. And then it won't be a brownie. It will be cake. Who doesn't like an ultra chewy brownie? Well, they probably folks are. You know. Yeah. Like, awful people. People who wear socks with sandals. Whoa! 
Oh, okay. Would you apply that to slides? People who preach in crops. Oh yeah. It is a hot take. And I and I'll catch some flack for it. I willingly do so. I just don't think they're that and sl and and slides. Like I don't know how slides and socks became came back into zeitgeist. I just don't get it. Well, I mean, it's like, come on. You're not on the beach working at a restaurant or in a hospital. So why do you need to wear something like that when you can just wear another shoe that's perfectly as comfortable and shows off a lot less of your disgusting man? Exactly. Like, you know, what was it? Why are the dogs out? Why are the dogs out? Like, put them away. But I just, yeah, I, I feel very strongly about the uh, the Crocs Renaissance 2.0. That I just like, I don't, I don't get it. I respect it. I will not yuck your yum, but I, I will not get a pair. Yeah. Nope. I will stick by that for as long as I can and we'll let this be the record. <laughs> if you're like me, you love it when it's easy and uncomplicated to put good out into the world. And nothing helps you do those things more than a strong cup of coffee. Enter today's sponsor, BVP Coffee. BVP Coffee Company provides single origin coffee and unique blends from all around the world, all produced right here in Philadelphia. Their latest coffee, 1867, is an ode to the rich and illustrious legacies of Howard University and Morehouse College. BVP Coffee donates a dollar from each bag sold to support business students attending historically black colleges and universities. I tried it and loved it and makes a great iced coffee. BVP Coffee has a special offer for Uncommon Good listeners. Right now, you can go to their website, bvp.coffee, and save 10% on your order by using the code UNCOMMONGOODPOD at checkout. You can even use this code for recurring coffee subscriptions, so you're always saving 10% and never missing a day of delicious coffee. When you use our code, you're supporting coffee farmers, HBCU students, BVP Coffee, and the podcast. That's code UNCOMMONGOODPOD at checkout at bvp.coffee. Now back to the program. I want to pivot a little bit. One of the things as I was doing my research for the interview is that I believe you got an ordination by the Universal Life Church. I did. At some point. I did. And I would love to hear the story. Oh, yes. In 2016, I was working for a Franciscan parish in New Jersey and in my office. I think I was just like, this is how you know questions of ordination have always just like been on my mind. Just like what real consequence would happen if I just like signed myself up? I saw it like Stephen Colbert. Ah, <laughs> Stephen Colbert is like a lay faithful Catholic person. He's done it. That's that's my reference point. Right. So then I just did it. It has actually been. I have like officiated two weddings and my uh, uncle's renewal of vows, and it has actually been like such a life giving thing for somebody who does not see themselves getting ordained in the Catholic Church. It's just it's been such a lovely thing to be able to be a part of something sacred for folks and for folks to be able to trust me with that part of their lives, of their lives, and saying like, yeah, I will happily be the conduit that says your union, your marriage is, is it, you know, and I... I jokingly had reached out to an old friend who's getting married in this coming year. And I was like, oh my gosh, congrats on your engagement. It would be great. If you ever need a fishing, just hit me up. And she was like, yeah, actually, totally. I was like, are you sure? Yeah. So again, I think just being part of sacred moments in my, on my own terms has been really beautiful. And I remember telling my boss after the fact that I had done it and she was just like, like, shoot, maybe I shouldn't publicize it. But then I was like, you know, what's the worst that could happen to, like, if I, and especially now, I'm like, I'm a lay person who got his MDiv at an ecumenical institution. Like, if excommunicated, if for whatever reason, I got excommunicated. <laughs> for whatever reason that happens, like, okay, so I have a, there's a much larger body that I am a part of, and that's okay. Yeah. Anyway. I don't mean to move us into solemn territory please for what's been such an incredibly light fun component but i think that you're absolutely right right like the the work of the spiritual mm. we can probably narrow that even more to say the christian mm -hmm. form of the spiritual mm -hmm. is a lot bigger 
and a lot broader than yeah. we are oftentimes told yeah. that it actually is. Easily, easily. And I just like, I think in 2020, I was applying for an associate street minister position with a church in Boston who will go unnamed. And Catholic workery type stuff or... I kind of, although I think they are actually an Episcopal church, I think. And so I had made it through all of these interviews, right? And and I think it was like in the second or third round. And I told them, you know, I was not ordained. I am a Catholic person, so I wouldn't be able to serve in that capacity. And I think that's actually what the sticking point was. And I remember just like feeling really dejected because it was a reminder of Though I think that the spiritual and the Christian church is much larger than any particular denomination, the spaces that I want to occupy are still very, I think, like the spaces that are the communities that I want to be a part of are still beholden to a more stratified understanding of that, you know, and I think that that sort of tension has kind of followed me the majority of my professional lives. So far, I think, you know, been really like for my, for, this feels like a new season of my professional life, but it has always felt like this tension of how we put this the cosmic cube, right? The sense of like, there's something much larger that it contains. We are really trying so hard to put it in the box. And because of that, it becomes really dangerous to hold, right? And so like, and so, yeah, I, the point is, I think being here in this job and in this particular position and even going to school here, I would tell folks that I am the minister that I am because of the people I was surrounded by and the people whom I've learned to do that from. And they have not, we do not come from the same tradition, but the spirit, we all rest in the same spirit. And again, we allow ourselves to be happy with one another in that. So this feels, so that said like that, this being here feels like a very special place to be able to do that and to create that possibility and to know that, yeah, we step outside and the sea is okay. And uh, if you need a floaty, I got you. That leads kind of perfectly sure. into the next line of inquiry. I can't imagine that this work is very easy because, at least in my experience, not to say that this is yours, although I sure. suspect that it could be, being effectively the associate rector can often be a very can tend to have a lot of responsibility without a level of agency that certain oh, might yeah. have yeah i imagine that's difficult the pressure of doing something like that under ever shifting lockdown conditions and safety guidelines means another layer of complexity yes so I would really love to know what sorts of things you do to keep the wellspring full Ooh. and to keep the spirit buoyed, like when things get like really, really hard. Gosh, that is a, that feels like a very live question. Yeah. I think especially because for me, these two years feel like very different experiences. Yeah. So far. And more like 20 years rather than two. And more like 20 than two. Yeah, exactly. I think. I think for me, last year, last year, and you know, the year before, even if it wasn't a different institution, was about sure was about survival, right? And so, what are the yeah. things that I would do to survive? What things would I do to kind of just keep myself afloat? And that was, you know, like maybe hey, having Haven hot chicken, or for allowing myself to sleep a little bit more. But the tending to myself was not actually to replenish a wellspring more than it was to fill the HP bar about a quarter of the way through mm. and just keep kind of keep going right uh, because you just had to be on your toes and you not only did I have to be on my toes or like our staff had to be on our toes because I had to convince folks that like let's be on our toes together constantly right like we had started from 80 persons in the chapel to 100 then when omicron came we had 10 that we were live streaming at uh -oh. and then 165 that we are here now right we couldn't start singing in the chapel until march of this past year right so so having to convince people to be on their toes as much as we had to be on their toes right like it was hard to find means of replenishment that didn't come until after the school year ended. So for me, that was like taking a vacation and visiting two of my three of my three of my closest friends from Din school, 
yeah, um, Nate, please, Joshua Garcia, Geronimo Desumala were some of the folks I just got to see. And, and for me, it was like, oh, okay, I actually needed to, my replenishment looks like returning to folks who knew me outside of this place, right? Outside of this role that I have been. Nowadays, I now have a dog that I got midway through this past year and I'm making time for her to do that then I think I owe myself the same kind of moments to be able to take care of myself it has been like being intentional uh, maintaining relationships with people who have known me for 15-20 years and talking about Mm. things that are just not work related yeah two of my best friends have moved in together they've been for a few years yeah and that's actually been for me it's been such a beautiful beautiful reminder of how of how important big moments in life and when i see mm. so when i see so when i see them like oh my gosh like we are making this decision to spend every day together share our lives together share a routine together for me i'm like that's what it's about and it's like so it's a good reminder for me to remember that and seeing it, especially with like dear ones that I care about, that this is that Mumford and Sons lyric where you invest in you love, you invest your life, right? So I'm learning to find ways of doing that. We had a couple comedians on, so we have a lot of comedians listening. Okay. Um, we've had more than a few spirituality and, and faith practitioners on, so, so I suspect we have an increasing number of those. And same thing, like college professionals as well. I wonder, do you get the same sort of spiritual replenish from your practices, Catholicism, now that your work is in liturgical and theological formation of others? Ooh, yeah, that is a great question. I, once you know how a sausage is made, yeah, it is really hard to turn that off when you're in a butcher shop, right? Or, you know, like if you're in, in, when you're in a deli. And so I think for me, the challenge has been allowing myself the space to yield, allowing myself to not feel the need to nitpick or to, you know, criticize or to question is really to allow myself to just be present. And that's hard. Uh, yeah. But really, I think so. That's really hard to do. And I think especially, you know, it's hard to do, I think, in the particular Catholic spaces that I occupy. Sure. Uh, sure. Because Honestly, because there are not many of them. More of the spaces that I occupy tend to be congregational, Episcopal. I don't know if that is more just like a Catholic thing. But that there, it is a challenge, I think, at this particular moment to be able to turn off. Largely also, right, like New Haven... So much of it is taken up by the university, right? And the most available spaces within my vicinity that resonate with the things that I hold true are also largely occupied by members of the university, students, faculty, staff, right? So then how do you, how do I then find a way to cleave those differences out is really hard. It's really challenging. And so in a, in a weird way, having to go outside of Catholic spaces feels like a better way to be able to yield and you know obviously there are some difficulties with that too but they don't feel i think as present and it doesn't feel as present as it does in the catholic spaces that i frequent here yeah i don't know that i actually have a question right now i'm just sort of yeah, letting that fall over me because that's one of those things that for me is always the difficult thing too across all the disciplines that i've that i've worked sure how do you i i was always jealous of our colleagues that would say like the more I learn about how the sausage is made, the more I love eating the sausage. Whoa. Right? I mean, I just like, I I don't know if I feel the same way, you know? And, and, I, and I think part of it too is that the, the Catholic Church is so mired in scandal and dissension. And again, I think the church is like at this really big inflection point about what the church is going to be or what it wants to be. And so that 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 plays out yeah. in in the life of its parishes, whether they like it to or not, whether they own to admit it to or and, and I guess it also feels like a different question, right? Because the sausage that I'm talking about might not actually be what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What I'm talking about actually is 
is broader than broader than this current iteration of the Catholic Church. Say say more about the sausage. Well, I mean, it's just like right, like again, right, just this unordained Catholic person, yeah, who is quote unquote associate director of this particular community, associate director, right, like minister of this particular community. That sort of ecclesial imagination is far beyond, if not opposite, of the kind of liturgical imagination that exists in Catholic worship. Sure. Right. And so, so what that looks like and what folks are getting out of that is very different than the spaces that I currently of like, okay, no, we are actually going to put way more focus on the Eucharist. Great. Amazing. And then really like in the sometimes clearer way than none, it's about the word that's delivered by the preacher. Yeah. And so for me, those are, those are the things or the, uh, whatever the centerpiece is, is of that liturgy. Yeah, that is more valuable than perhaps something as concrete as perhaps like a Catholic liturgy, yeah. and the way that that plays out in the life of its believers and its members. Yeah. What matters is that the sausage just gets made. Mm. So it's a challenge, <laughs> and sometimes I'm just like, I think I'm done with it. I think I just want to step back. But once you see it, right? Like you can't unsee it unless you deliberately choose to. And if you do that for long enough. What then? That just seems like a really hard and taxing place to constantly reassert and occupy. It sounds like a lot of work. It is, and it is a lot of work. I think that sits in one being, and I think it's. But I also, again, right? Like, I need. I want to be wary of. Are those are those things that are happening in real time? Are they? But are they also things that I am projecting onto myself? Are happening? My sense of vocation and my own discernment about my place in the lowercase C church, right? So I think it's taxing, partially because I make it so, and and I think because there's also like this real question of do I stay or do I go? Yeah, right. And is and it's not a it's not a it's not a binary question or binary answer either, but. Yeah, I recognize that like my answer to that is very much ingrained with my own sense of place within this particular But at the same time, I mean, we're all we're all people who have a sense of place. The sure. who the people who wrote the documents that our faith is based on had a sense of place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I yes, they did. I think if that's the case, what's the place now? Right? Like what what kind of place or space are we creating now? We're very, we're becoming, we are becoming very clear about who we don't want to be a part of that space. So the question I would ask is, who then? What? Let's pivot a little bit more, Cleon. Um, I'm excited for you to to be moving into a season of, of your, your ministry mm-hmm. here at YDS yeah. that will be decreasingly impacted by COVID. I hope. Who knows? Yeah, me too. It's weird though, because I feel like there's there, in some ways, because of the way that restrictions placed very clear boundaries of what was possible, it did this weird thing of having to actually, or what was impossible, and to do this weird thing of like, all right, what is actually possible? And so last year, what we did for the Advent service, because of the rise of Omicron and what we could and can do. We had everybody who was leading in the service be in the chapel and everybody else who was watching in the old refectory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we had like made sure that the that as much as possible the two spaces were congruent with each other. The lighting was was there. The way that we decorated the spaces were similar. So that in some ways, even if folks couldn't be in the space together, we were able to at least acknowledge that this was a thing that we were doing together. And so for me, when I think about how, what happens next, I, yeah, I'm excited to think more about possibility. And it's also been a real practice for me to be better about crafting prayers and texts that, that can speak to folks in a particular way. And I don't know. Yeah. Maybe where we can do, we had somebody from Alman Ailey came by, Freddie Moore came by a few weeks ago and Willie Jennings read a little and he said you know and freddie will dance afterwards it'll do a little bit more there's just beautiful synchronicity of things that were happening and we can do those things now because we're not as limited to 
limited to restrictions. But there was also, again, right, there was also a certain grace of being able to see, like, just how creative can one be within a certain set of boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. I I think there's also a way that just thrives under chaos and pressure, and that might be worth interrogating. It's kind of like Mark One Chapel became like a reality show where there they were there are these increasingly ridiculous tent stakes that got put down that you had to pivot around, like cook a four course dinner in the snow. Totally. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, we had 10 people in the chapel. It was like only the participants, the preacher, and then we were switching between like worship aids that were being screen shared and also somebody monitoring all the people who were coming into the chat while watching the live stream in the chapel and making sure that was happening. I was like, oh, I didn't realize I became an associate producer in the course of a it's three weeks. It's fun to like, it's fun for me. There's like, I do find a certain joy in being able to juggle because it also, it also for me is like a forces me to really think about how do I get folks invested in this yeah. and wanted to come along with the journey. And that I think if we can do it, that if we can do that, we can do some really transformative stuff. But at the core of it, we need to know how are we bringing people along? What are the things that we care about? What are we bringing yeah. people along as to why this matters? Why does having a daily worship matter? Why does it matter that we block this time off in the entire day for nobody to do anything? And obviously it's not mandatory, but for a chance to do that. Why do we why do we want to do this? Why is this important? Why is this integral to who we are as an institution? Okay. So then how do we get folks on board with that? You know, I've got a little bit of a speed round for you and for in an either or a sort of what for. Okay. And this mostly has to do between with the transition from student <laughs> to staff person. Okay. Would you rather spend your evenings bartending at Gypsy or at home now with your feet up because you have to? And so it's actually called Griffin's Pub now. Thank you. No problem. And this has been such a live question all the time i think today i will kick my feet up and play god of war then go and go to the bar yeah i think i've actually become a little bit more of a homebody so probably probably will choose the latter unless there is some convincing reason for me to be at griffin's past nine o'clock if not then yeah i would probably choose the good drink kick, kick my feet up Play some God of War, Call of Duty with with my besties. Would you rather run a liturgy meeting with your chapel team, or or be in intro to Christian liturgy with what whatever whatever what are the liturgical studies class with your your chapel team? Oh, running a meeting with my chapel team. I love 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 working with students, and so I yeah I I I love doing that, and so any opportunity to do that, I'm in. Would you rather? be without a safety net on the first chapel back for all <laughs> semester or the advert oh my god without a safety net ironically i had to preach the first day of classes this year so this is like this you're asking very pointed questions and it's giving me very big sean evans vibes without a safety be on the podcast sean <laughs> that'd be amazing okay first day of classes or advent service without a safety net advent service yeah why Advent service? I think it's because it is one of the few times, it is the only time where we really intentionally bring the community together that's not classroom related, mm. that's not academic related. We say, you know, we are coming here to celebrate this new season and being together. And obviously there is a gathering that happens after the fact. But no, I think, right, like this is the only time where we are actually intentionally invited folks to come together as a community that's not tied to anything but being together. Mm. And so being able to to do that with no safety net could be fun and it could also and it could be really beautiful. So I'll do that one. It's on record. I hope the last two will be a little bit easier. Whiskey or gin? Whiskey. Okay, very good. And um beer or cider? Beer. There you go. Very good. I should have eased you in with those because, like, I feel like uh, in the Sean Evans show, they get harder as far as you go along. Then anyway, we got we just got one last question to wrap up our time. Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful that you you spent the time that Thank you've been you with having me. But um, this is the same question that we ask everybody as as we close out our time together, okay. and this is 
what do you want the world to look like when you're done? I feel like, you know, I re- I heard this at the end of your trailers. I was like, I should prepare for this, but I... Okay, what... You're the first guest that knew that this was a comment. I know. I was just like... Because oh. I was like, this is such an interesting... What does the what do I want the world to look like when I'm gone or when I'm done with it? Thing. You're going to sit on it for, for a hot second. Take a minute. Take your time. Take two last seconds. I hope that when I'm done with it, when I'm out, that we're just a little bit closer to being done with it. That we're just like a little bit closer to not have to ask the question, to walk through the door and just sit. I hope that like, yeah, that we learn to continue being like tender with each other, to remember that like a half-baked cookie is still a cookie, and to give each other the grace to not chase perfection but goodness and to just like say like yeah that'll do yeah, that'll do my thanks to my guest mike libunau macalintel you can subscribe to mike's newsletter and follow him on social media at the links in the episode notes thank you so much for tuning in to uncommon good with Polly reese this program is produced in southwest philadelphia in the unceded neighborhood of the black bottom community and on the ancestral land of the lanape nation who remain here in the era of the fourth crow and fight for official recognition by the commonwealth of pennsylvania to this day you can find out more about the lanape nation of pennsylvania and how you can support the revitalization of their culture by going to lenape-nation.org our associate producers are willa jaffe and kia watkins if you enjoyed listening to the show Please support us by leaving us a five-star review and a comment and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help people find us. Uncommon Good is also available on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Uncommon Good Pod. Follow us there for closed caption video content and more goodies. We love questions and feedback. You can send us a DM on social media or an email at UncommonGoodPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, wishing you every uncommon good to do your uncommon good to be the uncommon good.